Welcome to Eve Online Newsday. I think we finally found a name for this. Uh, I have a couple of announcements and then we're going to go through a ton of news that's happened over the last weekend, uh, but also extended weekend because it was uh, Christmas. So we've taken about four days off and we'll go through a bunch of stuff and uh, then review some of the stuff that's happened earlier in the year. And I think we'll be doing that all the way until the 31st, uh, just taking bit by bit, going back and looking at some of the stuff that's happened at Talking In Stations and among players over the last uh, year, 2020. Okay, our first announcement. Uh, let me bring up the screen here. We are going to start podcasting these shows so that you guys can listen to them if you want. And hopefully that, yeah, that would be here. Hopefully that is good for some people that aren't able to. So, oh my God, I didn't even introduce uh, Stratus here. How are you doing, Strata? I'm good, thank you. I think everybody would uh, agree that Madderall had a uh, well-deserved break over the uh, over the, the Christmas period. So, you know. Oh, thank you. It was nice. Lots of family time. Uh, forgot what they looked like. <laughs> uh, Gregorin is here too. How are you doing, Gregorin? I'm all right. Awesome. Gregorin did not take a break because he was writing me all through the break uh, as he was doing things. So dedicated man, that Gregorin. Okay, so the first bit of news is exciting for you guys, I think, and also for us. <clears throat> We've uh, decided to make the po podcast version of uh, this news day. So you'll be able to catch that if you're listening to it now. Hello. So you can find that on uh, Spotify right now. <clears throat> but it is not on Apple um, podcast yet because it's under review. It takes about three days. So you'll start to see that um, at some point, but you need to look for it right now since it's just barely got up. We only have one episode here. This is the Norris Noros interview that happened on the 23rd. Very good interview. Uh, he's very, um, he was very giving of information. Some interviewers clamp up, but he was, he was kind of saying some things. So that's a good one to start with. And then this one will be the second one. And then we'll go on from there. And hopefully by January 1st, it'll be, we'll be at a running pace with the uh, podcast. But you can check that out on Spotify. It's called Eve Online Newsday and it's coming to Apple as well. It's also at six or seven different other um, things. And I think it's hosted on, it's, I'm sure it's hosted on Anchor, but I don't, um, here it is. I'm not exactly sure how to give that, I guess right here. So I'll put that in links now. And so you guys can help me spread that around. Thank you. Okay, another piece of news that's kind of fun is uh, we got partnered on Twitch. It's, uh, it's not something we tried for, except when we first started, like, you know, the first few months we thought, well, let's try to partner. And then we didn't really revisit it. Um, but I think about um, three months ago, we applied again and it just took a long time so congratulations to all of you guys for being here and helping us get to partner with um twitch i'm not sure what that means but i i think we get to hold videos a lot longer it used to be two weeks now we can hold them for uh two months so that's pretty good and we get some emojis so we'll have to work on some artwork and some fun stuff for you guys to have but yes, we're officially partners now with uh, Twitch. We were partners with YouTube as well. And we're going to do both. We're not going to just go to YouTube. Um, we investigated that option, but it ended up being a little too risky. 
but I do believe in the YouTube platform. It's great for commenting and it's great for uh, searchability and all that kind of stuff. But this is better for actual streaming. So we'll do both. In fact, we'll do three things. We'll put it on podcast as well. And that's the idea. Actually, we'll do four things. We're actually going to write down what's on this show and put that out in a newspaper inside the game as well as put it on our website in article form. So there's a lot of work to be done to keep this thing going. Uh, so, but thank you all so for being an audience. So it's everything but printing something out and uh, getting it to your door, your doorstep. So, yeah, we're working on that too. Just kidding. Uh, all right, so let's go into some of the news that's happened. Uh, first thing is CCP released their last pulse for the year. Uh, this one was uh, 15 minutes long, so it's a review for them all year long. On I'll just play a little bit of it while we talk. Uh, that's CCP Mirage. Underrated CCP dev, I think, because he's, he's terrific on camera and uh, he's such a soothing personality for such great, you know, artwork and uh, music that happens and stuff. But they go through this end of year special. They talk about the quadrants. They uh, talk about, it's not bookmarked, but they talk about um, how the Eve is expanding to different localizations. I think they talk about content creators. Uh, or some of the big stuff that happened, like resource distribution. So you should check that out if you haven't. We're actually in there talking in stations, which was kind of fun. See if you can catch our cameo. There's the video that you can watch later. Uh, let's see, new ship skins, president of Iceland. I don't think we're up with, oh, right here, look. That's the, actually, that right there is Gobbins at CSM. That's what he looks like. Very elegant man. And uh, Merkel Chen on his left, on our right. And then uh, Inominate with the glasses there and the beard. And on the left, I believe that is Exuki. Hmm. Could be wrong. I think it is. And then right behind him, I don't recognize that nose. Don't know who that is. But anyway, yeah, so that's CSM and that's Gobbin standing up giving a presentation. Those are the kinds of presentations that, and this is CCP Rise and Convict looking bored as hell. <laughs> um, this is the high level stuff that Hilmar was talking about. When players give presentations, they're showing their expertise uh, about the game, the deep knowledge that very, very, very few people have, how an organization functions at certain levels how game changes are affecting different players in different ways. These guys are some of the best experts. I have to say CSM has some of the best, most knowledgeable players uh, of the game. So this is what Hilmar was talking about when he's talking about high-level stuff. And then you have uh, the partnership program, and there we are. So congratulations to us <laughs> for partnership. So you go from like, lofty intellectual discussions about eve online to uh to the gangsters of the media right there's a little salute and uh you can see elise is having a good time so is arcia and that is headliner the leader of pl there with us and i am buried underneath the banner and then later they go into content creators like torvald and some great content creators over here so you can check them out of course b yeah all right, that is the Eve Pulse. Check that out. And now let's go into some player news. 
Um, Strada, do you want to help me out with this first one? Yeah, sure. So, I mean, um, uh, Gregorian put a nice little piece together on this one, but uh, it appears that a, a Horde Erebus, so a Papi Erebus, was tackled uh, on Christmas Eve after doomsdaying a bait freighter. Um, and the, um, you know, some something like uh, 20 Imperium dreads were dropped on it, but um, it seemed that uh, Panfam slash um, uh, Papi had a significant uh, backup forces that came in. I don't know if we have a, a good um, understanding of how close it came to, to de de uh, destruction specifically, but... Um, it, it got through armor, although there was a second Titan with a Phenom about to pop when it got saved, so it was about to go through hull when, when it started catching. So pretty close. Yeah. Yeah, the pilot is a member of my corporation. He's really good at what he does, and he, he, he was drunk, really. <laughs> so. <laughs> He knew it was bait, so he took some precautions to make it easier to save him. <laughs> I'm not sure all the precautions, but yeah. Yeah, this was Christmas Eve. I remember you, you saying that. It's a bit of a, of a Christmas Eve, Christmas Day bash, actually. If you look at the Eve time uh, timestamps, it started at 23 hour and ended at uh, 1 a.m. So that kind of brought into the, the Christmas celebration. I I wasn't around at the time. I was eating dinner with with family when it happened, and then all the pigs started going out to save him. And my family actually wondered if my because my phone was exploding, uh, if there was some emergency. Did they ask like, "Is our son a drug dealer? Why is his uh, why is his phone going off so much?" I guess not. Probably not. Right? <laughs> oh, probably not. <laughs> Sorry. But yeah, so it looks like, um, again, Imperium lost about 20 dreads and in total, I think I amounted to 68 billion ISK lost. And despite the uh, the slip up, um, the Papi forces only lost 369 million ISK. So well, that's not much. Not too bad. Yeah, that's a heck of a... Wow. It's a heck of a feed, isn't it? I mean, I don't know if you call it a feed because I don't know what died there, but 70 billion? I mean, that's crazy. Like, look at that efficiency. 99.5% yeah. for Horde and Test or Pappy. Uh, that's a, an amazing efficiency, but I guess 70 billion versus... Yeah, 70 is enough to come out positive against a, if you kill the Titan, but... Uh, Unfortunately for them, they didn't. Wow, that's a real, that's a real stinker, right? Like you sacrifice that much, and we're talking about dreads here, which are not that, you know, they take some money and time to build. To me, the star of the show has got to be the uh, point and newt brokel. Is this a tactic that gets used often? Uh, I usually, I've seen that more with uh, low sec hunter groups like yeah. Yvonne. Yeah, Ivana does that, and uh, Snuff does that. They hold freighters down in a way that the freighter can't possibly escape. And then they go to work on you. Actually, that's how they killed me, come to think of it. 
yeah, it was a, a Rorkel tackled me and I was just done at that point. They could take their time. It's also because, uh, uh, super carriers have, uh, a warp core strength inherent to them, but, uh, Rourke walls can fit a lot of warp heavy scramblers. Yeah. Well, and for those that aren't, you know, I'm sure everybody knows what a Rorkle is, but just in case you don't, it is a, it is basically a capital ship for industrialists. It is the uh, high, the biggest version ship you can use for industry. So it's got a ton of hit points and tank, and it used to be even stronger than it is now. But but once that thing gets its claws into you, you're not going anywhere, uh, and especially because it has a seven minute or now a six minute stasis which means it can't be damaged it's invulnerable it's like a field of invulnerability for seven minutes which again what i'm pretty sure you have to lock the oh an asteroid yeah if you're not in a belt you can't use that you're right you have to lock an asteroid that was such a weird little thing that ccp did to prevent what i'm talking about which is the seven minute stasis is enough time to lock the situation in place and reinforce your industrial ship um, or to, you know, to get more people uh, back on the field to defend it. So to prevent that situation, to prevent these ships from being used militarily, they said, okay, you have to lock an asteroid, which is just some obscure thing. They figure if you're near an asteroid, then you must be doing industrial stuff or harvesting stuff. Uh, so, yeah. But yeah, not in this application, but uh, we're talking about the stasis. So in order to use that invulnerability field, uh, you have to be near an asteroid. And he, he didn't have one fit. I think he understood that, you know, that wasn't going to yeah. come into play for him. Right. Yeah, they still have the tank and everything, so they're still good to go. But, you know, this is how you tackle uh, capital ships with, uh, or this is how you can tackle a capital ship and hold it down in a meaningful way. Yeah, mm, without having to worry about bubbles being smart bombed off by the uh, other capitals. That are yeah, heavy interdictors don't have jump drives. Yeah, and they're but, also pretty squishy as well. So, well, not that squishy, but in in the in these scales of fights, pretty squishy. All right. One of one of the other things about that incident was that all the Imperium capital ships jumped to a spy sino in that was in Horde at the time. Oh, and it's obviously that. not in Horde anymore. Well, so they jumped to the wrong Sino to get them... No, uh, they, the character that they had lighting the Sino was in Horde. So they had to burn a spy oh, in order to get their okay. capitals and to save the, uh, the, the guy who came in. Yeah, tackled. The, the reverse situation. Okay, interesting. Well, so, I don't know. That just looks like a complete win for Pappy, uh, looking at that. So Christmas Eve... That's a heck of a win uh, for Pappy. Okay, uh, what's the next thing here? Reddit use Crowtree. Yeah, that Reddit user? Uh, Crowtree. Uh, one of my one of the other people in my corp mates wrote a poem based on the night before Christmas about that, uh, and it was jokingly claimed that he was eight and a half. The poem was pretty funny. I, I believe the claim that he's eight and a half based off of the poem. <laughs> All right. So uh, next thing is what dropped 
Bullock of Molox. That's the poem, right? No, yeah. Oh, is it? Okay. Yeah, since uh, there were t- multiple Molochs from NC saving the, the Erebus. Wow, okay. Hilarious. There's a lot of Escon field. Yeah. Yeah. All right, well, we post, we'll post that in the show notes as well. All right, so it looks pretty good. Let's go to... Oh, I wonder if this is somebody... Okay, let's go to the next thing. The Griffin Ball. Did you participate in that by any chance? I did not. I was not around for that. But it yeah. seems like uh, there was a friendly invitation to to players to play this this game. Um, was it was it across the uh, the aisle in terms of with? Um... I think you had to be blue just to make things easy. Yeah, I I think that was how it worked. Uh, what I know is that they. Uh, Created a very large shipwreck and filled it with too many uh, cap booster charges so that you couldn't salvage it, and and then gave it out a few hundred specially fit griffins with tractor beams to for a game about moving it around. So I think the best analogy is it's a game of soccer, but instead of kicking it, aka pushing it, you had to pull it, um, and. The objective was you could, um, you know, a tractor beam is pulling and uh, you have to have uh, a lock in order to achieve that that uh, tractor beam activation. So they had, you know, EC, uh, ECM on the ships to turn off other people's tractor beams so that you could pull yours faster. Yeah. Oh, look, this. Um, so Eve uh, Drusus Nero says, you didn't have to be blue to play. Uh, Goons played in Griffin Ball with Horde. So that is really cool. I guess I was part of the truce. Remember, there was a Christmas Day truce or a couple days where there wouldn't be any timers. They could still skirmish, but there was no effort to create timers, create commitments for people to have to defend their structures over Christmas Eve or, or Christmas. Kind of nice. Seems like people are wanting to mirror World War Two a, a lot <laughs> with the uh, the soccer game that happened. Was it World War Two or World War One? One, one. one. Yeah. and 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 this is this is uh, pretty funny on Christmas Day or Christmas Eve. I think this was specifically. Yeah, I think that's pretty cool. So we don't know who won or how it, how it went, but uh, they did hold it, so that's cool. We do have a little video that uh, of of a Twitch uh, stream of it. If anybody's interested in in seeing how it looked, um, I thought it was quite interesting from the standpoint of like people using the sandbox that this game is to kind of make their own game entirely outside of CCP's um, game development. Um, I think Madero was t- talking to me earlier about the races that people used to do and the events that people used to host with regards to that. Yeah, early on in Eve's uh, existence, like in 2003, that's like months after it launched, right? So there's all kinds of crazy stuff happening in EVE Online, bugs, whatever. They're fixing all that. Players already started to make emergent gameplay, so they created death races. So you'd have to race from one system to another to another. And in the process, your friends could gate camp your competitors and stuff like that. So it was uh, it was kind of rough and brutal and simple. It, there wasn't it wasn't too complex, and uh, there wasn't a whole lot of worry about being fair or anything like that. 
because it was all new. It was all experience. And that's what, again, that's what Hilmar was saying at the fireside for CCP. As the CEO, he's looking back at EVE Online and he said, really, EVE Online has uh, a certain nature and there are some things in the game that go against the nature, some complications to make things easier or more fair. Um, and he doesn't like that. Like asset safety, for instance, is something that is just a construct of almost like player service to make sure they don't lose everything all at once. It's good for player retention, but it makes no sense in the grand scheme of what EVE is supposed to be, which is a landscape where players do what they want to do. And uh, so he was kind of reminiscing about sovereignty and how sovereignty should really just be, hey, if you can hold that system by holding the gate, then you own that system. It's not an issue of planting your flag and having some mechanics that preserve the system for you while you're away when you sleep. That doesn't make any real sense in the game. So that's what EVE was like when it first started, much like EVE Echoes is now, where it's a Wild West. People just do things and you just, you basically, if you can do them, you do them. And if you can't, you can't. Uh, but there are no mechanics to try to balance out activity or fairness or any of that kind of stuff it's more brutal and less less refined but there can be i think more in, you can do more interesting things with with a less buttoned up um game or or, or anything like that you know the more the more rules there are the, the the more creativity is required in order to do new things um i think we've seen like the people who you see a lot of creativity coming from over the years have been people like rooks and kings and we've seen videos of them finding ways to quote-unquote break the game but you know basically play a game and and find ways to um take advantage of mechanics and i think that's one of the fun things about the game is 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 trying to figure out how to beat your opponent using the rules that exist yep sure they have a good Really good movie studio, Rooks and Kings. They make some great, great movies. I fought against them a couple times, and they were good. Uh, but they were a lot better on film, if you know what I mean. Yeah, they, yeah it's a r very romanticized. You got some, some nice voiceovers, and yeah, they tell a good story. We'll say that. Tell a great story, yeah. Okay, uh, what else we got here? So that's the SketchUp tutorial on Twitch. All right, fed up. Ooh. Fed up organized fundraiser to help Alliance member feed his family for Christmas. What? That's a heartbreak. Oh. And, you know, we're in a pandemic situation, and that is very, very, very possible. Fed up is a Federation Uprising. They're part of the Caldari. Sorry, uh, Galente. Yeah, they're part. They used to be part of Gil the Galente militia. Now they're part of Legacy. Yeah. Man, this kind of story is crushing. But it's also heartwarming, right? Like, this is great. And this... Yeah, it's nice to see the, yeah. the community stepping up. And I guess it kind of shows how close-knit, you know, some of these EVE groups can be with regards to, you know, like real-life transactions of money. Not in the negative way, of course, with RMT, but this is, you know, people helping other people who need it, you know? Yeah, that is really cool that they did that. So that was uh, Federation Uprising. I think they're part of Legacy right now. They were. Yeah, they are. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, they're they've been part of Legacy for a while. Yeah, and uh, I don't know if it's big enough to read. It doesn't really matter. Anyway, good for them. That's a really cool thing to do, a meaningful thing to do. And uh, this is also why I have a real problem with um, scamming to some degree because scamming is great because it feels great that you can get one over on everybody. Um, but what you are doing is you're tearing at social fabric and it rips and it, and it becomes uh, unable to hold anything because it has too many holes in it. In other words, if you destroy trust for your own gain, the social fabric breaks down and you're not able to actually be a community. So it, it, it's almost why you need to punish corruption in officials much harder than just your violent criminal. Well, we have the opposite problem, right? Like white, white collar crimes, complicated. They never get prosecuted. They're down so much now compared to what they were before. Like you can white collar crime your way all through Christmas of next year, you're fine. But if you, uh, you know, do any street violence, then uh, you're done. And it really should be the other way around because the trust that you're breaking down is, uh, is incredibly valuable incredibly valuable so this is why i hate scamming and that kind of stuff like i don't appreciate it unless it's very complicated and interesting but you know smash and grab that just destroys people's ability to work together i think you know there's this to some extent a benefit of seeing what a breakdown in trust is just to remind people how important it is to have that i mean yeah, I mean, without trust, you know, what was I was in a fleet the other day and somebody just traded me a ship. Mm-hmm. And, and, and it's like, well, if I don't give that back, cool, I've made 200 million esque or whatever. But like in the grand scheme of my Eve career, then me being a thief is now going to look bad on me. So to some extent, we do, we do have these checks and balances in the game. You have a reputation, you have a character. Mm-hmm. But, but um, yeah, no, it is. It is a it is a shame when people come into this, and I, I think it's a lot of a new players who might do it because maybe they get the over romanticization. You know, like in other games, you can't scam people uh, because you know your um, you know the GM in in World of Warcraft will just take your stuff and give it back to the other guy. Whereas in this game, you know, it's kind of you're allowed to destroy the reputation that you have at your own risk. Um, and and you may not be able to after you leave that corporation, even if you do manage to, to join another corporation, if they find out what you've done in order to achieve what you have, why would they ever give you the rights to to their you know corp corp wallet or whatever? You're, you've now you've now kind of bought your your uh, your reputation there. Yeah. And, you know, we, we always say like, well, Eve has, because uh, this is something that uh, Zelmex there says, or actually it was Nick. Yeah, Nick Bison was saying Eve players can be solid jerks, but in the game, they're generally really great folks uh, out of the game. I'm reminded recently, because my son started playing a different MMO, one with an avatar that he could run around with, and people are very nice to him in that game. They're... They're very cooperative and there's no, I don't think they're allowed to scam. So I don't think they do. And it's just, he's just had really positive experiences. (laughs) I was thinking, well, there's something to that too, right? Saying, look, the, the, the nature of a video game doesn't allow you to be 
terrible to one another. And maybe that's the secret sauce for EVE Online, but uh, I, I thought it was kind of interesting. Yeah, I mean, I, I definitely think there is a, a place for civility, but there, I don't know, the connections that I've made in this game, the strong ones at least, have been made over over tears to some extent you know you you lose something or something happens to you and it's a it's a commiseration commiseration excuse yeah. me you know you you feel bad for the person and you and and you're you're either you you both could have been involved in this in this tragedy or whatever and, and it's a bonding event so i think there is something to be said for for those things um i've noticed in other mmos you don't get it unless you're those bonds unless you've done something difficult Right, so yeah, you need the adversity, I think. Otherwise, it's kind of nothing to bond you to together. All right, uh, so good for them. That's fed up doing something really good, not a scam at all, uh, to helping out their court mate in a real way. Something to be real proud of. So yeah, from what it looked like to me, it was someone said that he had to take a break from the game for real life. So they reached out to help him, and that and. They did, which that's a good thing to do. Right on. Okay. Uh, let's see. Hard Knocks uh, gets a Vendetta kill. Well, they, Sorry, Hard Knocks, Hard Knocks loses, loses a Vendetta. Vendetta. Yeah. Sorry. To no value, uh, along with two Nicks. But, man, that Vendetta is so expensive right now. I think I explained <laughs> this that this is the only faction ship that requires a lot of build materials, which means because, because the prices of building materials are high, the Vendetta goes up in price exponentially, basically. So it's now, I think, worth 180 billion ISK when generally these things were selling for 80 billion ISK um, not long ago, a year ago, basically. Pretty I mean, big loss. Judging by the actual um, kill report, you might like you look at other kill mails with with supers and that sort of stuff. There, there are, I don't know, maybe twenty five individuals involved in this in this uh, in this fight here, which is it's kind of refreshing to see large ships being being used in, in with small numbers. Um, so you, you can. Each of you have a bit more of an interesting uh, time of it, but the other team did seem to have uh, no value. Had uh, three three titans and what's that? A uh, five five or six uh, supers of their own. So probably a pretty interesting fight. Do we know of of because um, where in the in the notes it says that these guys have been ganking other players with these ships and that's why they are you know hard knocks are a wormhole corporation or, or alliance um and they use these ships to gank others in their um in their supers um do we know whether or not this is some a, a failed gank on their part or a, or a bait uh I had heard that it was uh they were showing up to third party on a structure substructures timer but i'm not quite sure what the details were okay well but yeah but... they they used to rent out the drone regions and uh they had left a, few, a a few of them left super capital ships in there to hunt after they moved out of renting it out 
Wow. Uh, yeah, somebody points out that it wasn't much tank on this. I don't think he was expecting the tank. Look at that. Yeah, supers for this the kind of stuff that they do, uh, which are usually not tanked. They're the idea is usually to uh, do max damage and fast align and warp and at max damage and get off as fast as you can. Yeah, and so uh, this does have uh, looks like faction um, navigation modules here, like the initial, sorry, inertia stabilizer and the hyperspatial accelerator and the variations mm -hmm. on those. And then oh, just some, damage, some damage modifiers for their drones, right? So this is, yeah. That's hit, an officer mod that you dropped there. Hit and run. Let's see what they dropped. Yeah. Off, Nine off, billion <laughs> for an officer mod. Yeah, often uh, people say that the Revenant is the best super carrier to use for this, and its bonuses are, are a bit better for this than fleet combat, but Hard Knocks and a few other people uh, prefer the Nyx and Vendetta over the Revenant. Do you know why? I'm. I don't know enough about how to do this to fully understand the reasons. Yeah. Yeah. And the the preferred Titan for this is generally the Ragnarok because that's the one that you can most easily make go fast. Yeah, that's the fast one. And that one's absurdly fast compared to the others. Compared to the others. Okay, so Hard Knocks losing a Vendetta. Again, Vendettas are super expensive right now so that is worth two titans basically uh okay imperium uh confirms war bonds and this happened on uh the fireside chat which happened on saturday the matani was again giving his chat to his crew um we don't have it to play it today we'll maybe play it tomorrow we can dissect it over a longer period of time but uh, besides doing the moral, um, what do you call it, pep talk, uh, they did kind of get to a point where they're saying like uh, they're going to they're going to actually do war bonds coming in January, I believe. So we'll have somebody can correct me if that's wrong. But the war bonds things was an idea floated a few weeks back as something they may go into. The idea is to ask their players that have a lot of private money to convert some of that private money and put it into the alliance's pocket so they can use it to uh, pay down some expenses that are coming their way, like a lot of the cores that need to be put into structures uh, in early January. That's the deadline for that. That's gonna cost um, hundreds and hundreds of billion of ISK to do. And you don't want your war chest going to that effort. So, probably the bonds are going to help offset that so they can keep their money focused on, on the war effort. I think that's the mm. idea there. Yeah. I mean, uh, the way that they talked about it was a, a, a liquidity issue, right? If they, if they, you know, lose a, a, a battle in the near future and they've just purchased a bunch of cores, then they may not have ISK in order to actually refund uh, SRP things or even just purchase new ships for people or, or minerals to replace things. Um, Madderall, what what is the date? Is it J January fourth, or when when does the when do the cores when are they required? It's a sixth, I think. 
I thought it was the 11th. Yes, the 11th. Sorry, the 6th is something else. Oh, yeah, that's the Georgia election, I think. <laughs> 12th. Okay, 12th. We'll 12th, take the 12th. Though. That sounds... Yeah, 11th or 12th. Um, but... Yeah, the fifth is the end of the uh, event that's going on right now. And the 12th is probably correct for um, when you're supposed to have that done. I'll check it out in just a second. I also want to pull up the economic report because this is something that it's not what I was looking for. Monthly economic report, EVE Online for November. Thank you. Be more specific. You know, Google is not what it used to be. I'm starting to use Bing a lot more, to tell you the truth. I'm going to start using Bing because it just seems more accurate. And I'm, I've been a lifelong Google user. So Talking about the economic report, though, it, it's going to be interesting to see the amount of ISK that is going to be sunk into these, in the, into the, um, because, you know, you have to use raw ISK to buy these from the, from NPC market, I believe, right? Um, and um, there's going to be a massive amount of ISK sunk into these objects once once January was it 12th? I, I think you can need to be put. Excuse me, you need to put them in before that, right? And and the 12th is when a structure, if it doesn't have a core, will become vulnerable, right? That's the issue. It's not vulnerable. It loses services. It uh, essentially can't you can't tether to it and you can't use fitting so it can't be used for war reasons um and so it becomes essentially useless uh to to use it as a, a platform to defend yourself with and i i think that's what happens when it doesn't have a core it doesn't necessarily weaken it uh, or make it more vulnerable because they had those changes before where they said if you didn't have fuel, fuel no yes yeah, it would go into the vulnerable state, right? It, well, it, you could kill it in one go. Yeah, if you don't fuel a structure, it will get weaker and become extremely vulnerable. First, it goes into a low power mode for a week. And then if it still doesn't have fuel, then it goes into an abandoned state. And at that point, it can be destroyed right away and everything in it drops as loot, for sure. But not having a core, I think, doesn't allow it to online... Um, but also keeps takes away your tether and takes away the stuff that you would normally use in the structure, like fitting and clone bay and repairs and repairs and stuff like that. I don't think you can use it. So essentially, it's a dead structure. What, All right. what was CCP's rationality behind this? Again, I, I know uh, they wanted people to have more. Uh, I'll explain that. Yeah, I'll explain that in just a second. I just want to show this slide that I brought up here. This is actually wealth in EVE. It's, this is the money supply, total ISK available to active players, not inactive players. But I want to show that green line up here. That is people's personal wallets. You can see it's way up here in the uh, 800 trillion area. And this is group money in corporations. And so that's in the 200 trillion Okay, we're back after a power, um, actually a break, I don't know, the internet just went out. Um, funny enough, I had power problems this morning that were bizarre. I've never seen this kind of thing before, but we had a storm in Los Angeles that just came through. It was like a mini hurricane. Uh, high winds, big raindrops, and ton of water. And, okay, are we back? Looks like it. Okay. 
And the next morning I woke up and the, the lights were dim. Some lights were dim. Some lights wouldn't turn on and mm. hot water was out. And, uh, but the internet was working. My computer could turn on and work. And it was just this really weird. I've never seen that before. Usually I've, you see lights. I've had flicker. one of those before. Oh, yeah. Really? It's, it's weird. Yeah. I've had one of those and I, I didn't understand it personally either. I'm sure there's some so. engineer on the stream who can explain to us why <laughs> certain lights would work in a house and others wouldn't. Yeah. It's not the switches. Cause I'm a, you know, these are different parts of the houses, but but the weird part was like you would open the refrigerator and the light would be really dim. You turn on a light mm. and the light would be half as bright as it normally is. So it was really, I thought, very, very strange. I'm not, I'm not an electrical engineer, but I think it's something to do with phases of power, right? So there's different phasing of power and you can have one phase working. And, um, and, and so it's like a, a sine wave, right? Uh, and they and and they fill you have two phases which basically fills in the gap you don't have as as, as low of a drop uh and um and even you can have three phase which even is more smooth power and that's for like industrial use but for for example you can have one phase only one phase so things that need two phase power won't work whereas things that can have one phase will so that's like one of those weird oh, okay one little uh, it's spooky so anyway, while I was uh, going to look for, thanks for telling me that, by the way, I was going to look for what the deadline was uh, in January. This is not it. This is abandoned structures, no asset safety. Okay, so no reinforcement phases. If your structure is abandoned, that's a different topic. We wanted to look at cores, right? And what was that called? Uh, online. Okay, I'll tell you why they did this, and I'm pretty certain about this. Quantum cores, here it is. So CCP is always looking for conflict drivers. What is it that will make people go outside and do something and put themselves at risk of other players who want to interfere with whatever the first player is doing? And they're always looking for situations they can create to do that called conflict drivers. And what they want to have people do is to, uh, if you're going to own a structure, you're going to need to create an opportunity for other people to interfere with that structure. And there's really no incentive to do that. They're hard to take down. Um, and there's this whole process of even spamming structures of, of putting down Astra houses um, with no intention of defending them. They're not bases. They're just little forward operating bases that you put down everywhere. And if they blow up, you just buy another one. They cost so little. So Roach Motel. Yeah, Roach Motel. That's what they were called by the Imperium, I think. So the, so the point was they wanted to say, well, we need something to incentivize people not doing that. And if you put a core that is, that's always going to drop, right? They drop a hundred percent of the time. So a core will always pop out of one of these Astra houses and they're worth 600 million, I believe. Then there's always incentive. There's always a reward for destroying these roach motels that come out. And there's also incentive not to waste your money by putting a bunch of these things up. So the idea of the core is to put money into the table. It's like table stakes. If you're gonna if you're gonna use a structure, you're gonna put some money on the table that somebody can walk away with if they want to. And the opposite side of that is the uh, well, it gets it gets complicated between what's the what's the aggressor putting on the table and then what's the 
defender putting on the table putting on the table because both of them have to have something at stake so so that it becomes kind of like a, a high stakes game as opposed to meaningless interaction and i think the ess and the dbs work in this way as well they they make the they make the defender have to create an opportunity for an attacker to come and rob him because they take away part of his money and they put it in this bank, this artificial bank. But the attacker now has to overcome obstacles in order to steal that money. And that's, it's the same kind of thing. The defender has something in the pot. You know, it's not, he can't just ignore it. It's enough that he can't just ignore it. And the attacker has incentive to go and try to steal that. But the, the attacker has to come uh, overcome all these obstacles. You know, he can't cloak. He has to have, he has to expose himself in order to uh, actually grab the, the money out of the bank. He's vulnerable uh, and all that. So the idea of the whole development strategy with cores and with ESS and with DBS and all this stuff is to create conflict drivers. Yeah, and and it's it's an interesting, you know, like with, with what... Um... CEO of CCP, forgot his name, what he was Helmer. saying in the fireside, uh, Helmer, right? And um, yeah, you know, he, he wants to get rid of, well, I think he'd like to get rid of asset safety. I don't know if at this point they can roll something like that back. But, you know, theoretically, one of the rewards could have been, well, you get whatever's in, inside the, uh, the Astra house. But I guess at the end of the day, you know, there could be nothing in these Astra houses. And, you know, what CCP went through that whole thing of, you know, requiring fuel, otherwise they'd go vulnerable. So you could blow those up pretty easily. And now they're going, you know, after some time, allowing people to get these cores inside of the structures. And this has been like a whole rollout period for them to allow players to, you know, get their, their, uh, their stations ready. But, you know, it's finally coming, coming into, into yeah. effect. And uh, Goomba Freehand, I think he's the one that said January 12th. So he's correct. Uh, January 5th is the end of the Christmas party that's going on right now where you can make a bunch of money if you're doing the Winter Nexus. That ends January 5th. So does your chance to pick up login rewards. But on January 12th, that's when your structures better be cored up or they will lose. I think it's right up here or actually... They will lose consequences. Uh, where are the consequences? They're supposed to be here. Deploying houses by placing core. Yeah, so these are, let me look to see what the consequences are. Yeah, once the core is installed, they say deployment for our phase. Huh. I think they might have revised this at some point. Uh, let me see. You know what? It's not written in here, or at least I can't find it. Maybe somebody could help me with that. But uh, the idea, if you don't have a core in there, uh, first of all, it's required for new structures. So you just have to put it in there or you can't online it. So new structures have a big problem. But I've heard, and this is from memory, that if you don't have a core, you just lose functionality like tethering and repair services and uh, clone bay and... Um, what was the other one? Fitting, right? So you can't use it as a Roach Motel at all without a core in it. But it's, uh, it's interesting that th these, these items will, especially for the lower end ones, almost double the cost of getting a, 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 an online 
um, structure. So like an Astra house right now is around 720 million ISK. So you're adding another 600 million ISK to that. So it's, yeah. uh, but it's probably, probably a good thing. They were probably too cheap for what they could uh, do. Yeah. So services offline, but I think, uh, and I'm going to trust, uh, Goom, uh, Goom bear freehand, Goomba freehand, because he was right about the 12th that these things fall into a vulnerable state. Uh, in other words, they become low power. I don't know. This was not on my plan. So I, I need to review this and, and get back to you guys on how that all works. Cause that is going to happen on the 12th. So we'll check it out. Yeah. Oh, uh, let's see. Well, this is no tethering, no asset safety, no reinforcement phases. This is all actually, um, if something runs out of fuel for longer than a week, that's a different thing. Okay. I got cut off when I was talking about this, but the, um, the idea that players have four times as much money as corporations, uh, it shows you why war bonds are a thing for the Imperium, right? Because they would essentially have to um, take their military money and use it to core up these structures so they don't all lose their services and fall into low power mode. Um, so that is why probably they are raising bonds for war. Okay, long way around. This is the last bit of news today. Um, Ned Flanders, uh, he is not from Bastion, even though he, it's said that he is. Uh, he put out his usual. Let's have a look at this. This is a count of how many players are actually fighting in the World War B2, as we've come to know it. And you can see the numbers are taking a slow dive. Yeah, everyone's down for a Christmas break, but NC uh, is the only one that's noticeably above where they were three weeks ago, and that was probably because every time there's a Keepstar kill timer, NC logs in a lot more characters. Yeah, you got you want to be on that kill mail, right? Yeah. Like, <laughs> interesting thing about that Keepstar timer is that not only was it Bob's home system, but which a lot of Bob corporations are NC, but the the NC character which got the killing blow was from a Bob corporation, Dice. That's my corporation, my old corporation, Destructive Influence. Yeah, and and the first Keepstar in Fountain was Evolution, which. With those two getting the killing blows uh, the, on the first Keepster Rs in the region, that kind of seems somewhat poetic. Well, if you want to go back that far, but these groups are so different than they used to be. I mean, uh, and uh, Zalmex, Zalmoxa says uh, NC Bob is, NC is Bob. Yeah, sort of. But Bob really was Evolution, which is mostly a dead corporation. It has 300 people in it but it really only has like 12 active and reikoku and reikoku is not in nc dot yeah the ceo of reikoku has said a couple of times in response to talk of bob possibly coming back that without sir mole there will be no bob yeah i mean it was he was synonymous as that uh really gruff growly talking uh leader that literally 
just pushed people around. <laughs> he was an ass. He was hard to he was hard to like play with, but he was doing it and everybody was following him and people follow success. But he was he was he was a tough leader. Uh tough, fair, so, loved, every all that other stuff, but he was, you know, it's not like he was a great charismatic loved character. He was a tough sergeant kind of guy. Anyway, I guess he was kind of like Gigax okay. was later. Well, Gigax was I think Gigax was much better to his guys. I mean, he was beloved. Gigax was a beloved old school FC. And even people that worked with Mole sometimes are like, you know, he's he's a hard ass. He's he's hard on you. Um but here's the thing. NC Dot has a lot of alliances. They grew in order to meet the demands of the new Eve Online. When NC formed, it was really formed out of Atlas. And I thought it was Triumvirate. And Triumvirate. I was about to say Triumvirate. Triumvirate had Doom. Uh, so they brought a lot of the PvP power and the capital power. But Atlas brought a ton of the resources. Uh, and they had... I think Smell actually was of the lead corporation for NC Dot for a long time, and they were from Atlas, and they had the organization, and they had the the paper, not the paperwork guys in a bad way, but they were the guys that brought the organization, that set up the SRP, they set up the functionality, and Triumvirate brought the FCs, they brought that brought uh, Vince Draken and. Uh, and there was a bunch of guys that were in the Doom Corporation, which was a great corporation for for. Uh, kicking butt that was nc dot at the beginning dice and finfleet which were the other two alliances and bob actually went over to a group called 401k which were the um it was called the retirement club because a lot of these guys were kind of coasting they weren't really uh actually uh evolution did too that's where bob went after they well bob fell apart they became Kenzuko, then for a short time, then they became IT Alliance and that fell apart. And when that fell apart, later on, they became Retirement Club because they were kind of like, we're kind of done. But after NC had some successes and survived a while, you saw Evolution come into NC Dot, Dice come into NC Dot, Finfleet come into NC Dot. And for a very short time, Reikoku, uh, that was in PL for a long time, finally went over to NC dot and that lasted all of I want to say a month at the most. Uh Vince booted them out when they badmouthed him secretly and uh, that was the end of that. So, is NC dot Bob? Yeah, sort of. Um but it's not nearly the same entity. NC dot is absolutely Vince Draken. He is the undisputed heavyweight of NC dot. It's his it's his monster. Okay. And it's a different monster. I think people like to point to it because of the classic goons versus Bob, but it's a, it's a different beast and it should be identified as a different beast by this age. Okay. So let's look at NC dot. Also, you had that, uh, kill of a keep star in Delve. The first one brought down by destruction, by violence, uh, against the Imperium. So whatever promise Matani made about no, no keep stars in Delve will fall has been proven wrong because this one mm -hmm. went down to NC dot. So with, with these numbers, I mean, the source of them is, is Z killboard, right? So they're basically being recorded as, you know, 
individual players or individual characters registering on kills. So, you know, we see the two battles that, that occurred, um, you know, in October. And those, those were, you know, we see a spike there. Not, you know, you could see some players returning just for specifically those battles. But what you're more likely seeing is alts being uh, registered on kill mills, either being, you know, brought into the fight or um, in, in the subcaps, or these could be capital pilots that are being brought in that kind of sit by the wayside most of the time. Oh, yeah, that's definitely part of it. Um, NC is one of the alliances with a reputation for people, uh, stereotypically people not sh- not logging in except for big pings, but it's probably mostly that all of them have a lot of capital alts. And this is one of the times when you get to use all of them. Yeah, you're not bringing your one capital alt. You're now bringing your two or three capital alts into the fight just to because uh, it because it matters that much. And you're you're willing to, you know, take that tax, which is to say that you know multi boxing characters, you're more likely to die on on more or more of those characters because of the attention issue. But I guess in these large fights, to some extent, because of the tie dye. You can manage more characters because of the fact that time is slower. So, yeah, tie dye makes multi boxing easier, which allows you to bring more characters into the tie dye, which feeds into the tie dye, which makes multi boxing easier, and so on. All right. So, looking at these numbers, though, I see clearly a decline uh, since the big Keepstar battles for the Imperium. Uh, there is a little bit of a resurgence that happens right around. Uh, it's funny, these are um, European numbers, so these are reversed. That's December 1st, not January 12th. Uh, but right around uh, December or the end of November, you see the Imperium. I think that was the defense of 1DQ and um, basically a lot of the fighting that was going on for iHubs right around that time. But since then, it's been a pretty solid decline from... I want to say 3,750 active pilots down to 3,000. That's a loss of, well, uh, that's a good 20% drop. You see similar going on with Pandemic Horde, but it pops up here, probably the Null Keepstar, uh, and it gets back up to um, about 2,750. And uh, Test also doing a very slight, a little slower than the other two guys. But again, brave, always consistent. It's the consistent turtle. You can see, <laughs> just they're not, they're not uh, impressed by doing big fleets, and they don't quit at doing the boring stuff either. They're just consistent line across it. All their thousands of players or all the thousands of characters. Where's the initiative in here? Um, the initiative is green. Oh, they're so doing pretty well. And the other bluey green, unfortunately, but. Well, yeah, you could they, see they, they they took a beating at first. Go ahead. They recently lost a corporation, uh, Guardians of Parallel World, which is fairly large. But I guess since uh, that's a Korean corporation and not much is happening at that time zone, it doesn't look like that had a huge effect on them. Are they going to low sec? As far as I can tell, I'm pretty sure they are. They have a lot of stuff out in Black Rise, that corporation. So that would make sense. Yeah, yeah. We we're, were talking to Noros, and he was saying the Koreans really like Losec, and that was really interesting. He thinks 30% of Losec is Korean. Uh, 
which is fascinating. We really need to look into that. Uh, oh, oh yeah, I've might be part of the time zone that I I've, I've been running the Christmas sites in, but I've seen a lot of Koreans uh, doing stuff. We need to translate. It's about a year, right? A year since the Korean localization came out. Is that right? Yeah, it was right around uh, the acquisition. It's about two months afterwards, which I think was uh, September. So let's see. I, I'll look it up because that's what we do here. Um, Eve Online. But I think, yes, it was about a year ago. And I'm wrong. No, let's see. Yeah, here it is. November. It was a 14th. little over a year ago, I think. Yeah. November 14th. So, yeah, that makes sense. Because the company was bought by Pearl Abyss, which is a Korean company. So CCP now belongs to a Korean company. And then uh, about a month or two months later, they have Korean localization. So it's fantastic, fantastically fast. It's very fast. And now it's an offering and you're seeing that grow. And it's neat to see Siege Green do really well and other groups that are also Korean-based. But we said that Initiative lost that corporation because we were looking at Initiative numbers, which we're looking at still. And uh, I just want to point something out about Initiative here. They started out, uh, this is the green line, at about uh, 1,200 and they did kind of a slow decline, but they were up for these big Keepstar battles. That's why they went back up to over a thousand, but they got under a thousand for a while. Then they did another slow decline until I believe they decided in December to go on deployment. And you can see their numbers recovered quite well. So that deployment is healthy for them. That's a good sign for them. That's normally why you do a deployment is to stir up uh, activity and get you guys going. All right, so three-week change. Yeah, look at Goonswarm down like 13% in uh, three weeks and down 25% for the 21-week uh, look back. So 21 weeks ago, they were 25% stronger. That is pretty rough. An initiative is 50% on where they started. So uh, hmm. I would yeah. be interested to know if, if we could figure out, again, it would be – Great to know if, if they were in capitals or subcaps because you could probably get a good understanding of whether they were mainline members or alts and you could kind of determine it that way. Yeah, well, you know, it takes people, skills, and ships uh, to, to form fleets. Uh, and people are people. So a 50% loss for the initiative, that's pretty rough. Uh, looking at a 25% for Imperium. That, that is the Imperium. The Imperium is losing members, uh, at least active PvP members. And we know that from just knowing the people that are leaving, and that's just natural in war. There's nothing too extraordinary about it, but those are big numbers, and that, those are real numbers. Uh, in contrast, you look at uh, Pandemic Horde. In the last three weeks, they've lost 7%. Um, and since they started, Horde has lost 16%. Test lost 12%. These are normal losses as people don't want to play war anymore. They get tired of it. Um, but you can't compare that to 25% and 53%. Um, and then Northern Coalition seems to be getting, this war is making them stronger. <laughs> they seem to be going up. Yeah, it's uh, good to be the people who were perceived to be winning. It's good to have opportunities to shoot big stuff and to put that on your kill board. And that's what they log in for, I'm pretty sure. Or it's all yeah. spies. 
Yeah. Yeah, well. Okay, so those are the numbers for the war. Interesting. We've also received some reports that a prominent LOSEC alliance is disbanding. I've heard yeah. public rumors speculated on Reddit, but since that was flared as snuffed out claiming that, I thought it might be trolling, but we've received stuff that confirmed it. Yeah, actually. Somebody that wasn't in snuff gave me the information, and that is that um, Wangs, or better known as Penn is out, say it fast 10 times, uh, is disbanding. Let's look them up. Supposedly, they picked the Alliance uh, name and ticker so that Alliance tournament commentators would say something funny if (laughs) they said the name or the ticker. Yeah, that's what Skill U is about too. It's meta meta gaming the uh, the shoutcasters of Eve tournaments, right? Get them to say stuff they're not supposed to say. Um, but yeah, look at that. Membership is taking a nosedive. It's early to tell. This only happened a couple of days ago, um, but uh, looks like Wangs, who were pretty big in in uh, syndicate i believe and placid that was kind of where yeah they placid syndicate uh black rise and cloud ring they held sob and cloud ring for a while and and they were closely tied to galente militia which ended up how B- cloud ring sob area was known as gal milistan for a while yeah and they were good uh these guys were uh, they were involved in a lot of fights, uh, so it'll be interesting to see where their corporations go individually. Um, if they are indeed disbanding, we're pretty sure they are. Uh, I think I have an email that came out. Let me see if I can grab that. Um, and I forgot who sent it to me. Oh, here it is. Okay, let me let me put this on screen, and, and then maybe we can look at it. I'll just make it a little smaller. I don't think that's readable, so I'll leave it big. Yeah, so this is the announcement from the uh, Nate Ol, Ol, uh, at Nate Altol. He's uh, one Altol, of the yeah. leaders. I don't know who is the executor, but he's one of the higher ups and one of their FCs. Yeah, so he says TLDR. It's really not that long though. Wang is done. Alliance will be kept open for tournament stuff. Talk to your leadership for what's next. So everybody needs to talk to their corporate leadership. Uh, why don't I just read this? I think it is quite, and so this is me reading uh, what's being said to the Wang Alliance. I think it is quite well known at this point that I don't find fun anymore. The time commitment required for the reward of fleets I like to do is not there anymore and has not been for a while. Over the past year and a half or so, I haven't really played much, only popping in for occasional fleets and playing from Discord. I had once hoped that Wangs would work out with me. And I wanna thank those who tried to make it work, especially MP and Choppa. But the current state of the Alliance isn't in a good, isn't a good one, and my inactivity is mostly to blame for that. Over the past, Around four years, Wangs did many great things, and I think we all had fun, but it's time to move on instead of trying to keep something alive that isn't there anymore. We will be keeping the Alliance open for tournaments, as the group involved with the most recent event, uh, AT, put in a lot of work, 
had a great showing in the tournament and was and has expressed interest in continuing to do so. Uh, RD Raw will remain in the alliance. I think that's a corporation. Yeah, Ardraw is his corporation. Ardraw will remain in the alliance, but the corp itself will basically be inactive. We will pull down structures to protect the assets of longtime members who are away from the game and may come back. Please have clones and whatever assets you need, uh, whatever assets you want moved, move to NPC stations by January. Members who are away from the game uh, and may come back. Please have, oh, I, okay, so let me do that again. NPC stations by January 9th, 2021. Unwinding something like Wang's, which has had so many moving parts over the past four years, is not as a simple thing to do. So if you have questions, just ask in Discord. We will remove the bot from Discord so it doesn't pull anyone's roles, and we will leave the Discord up permanently. I'll delete a bunch of useless channels to trim it down, but feel free to use it as a social Discord, uh, Eve-related or non-Eve-related. I think we've grown quite a community, and there is no reason that it needs to go away. Roam together, play other games together, hang out on comms, and just have fun. Last part is, uh, so that's his message to the group. Here's the last part. I hope everyone enjoyed their time in Wangs, and I really appreciate all you guys being here. Some administrative bullet points. Discord bot will be removed, and the server will be kept. Uh, well, actually, this stuff just looks like uh, stuff that he covered in that one address. So there it is. That looks pretty official. Uh, and it looks like it's, the reason it hasn't completely collapsed is they have until January to move all their stuff. So they're starting to move out. So the end of Wangs, everyone, let's have a moment of silence. All right. Was that long I mean, it, it, Yeah. I mean, it sounds like one of these things where it's, you know, maybe a player is takes on a lot and gets burnt out and i think that can happen with eve for people especially if you go hard at it um and it sounds like the uh the alliance suffered for it so yeah i noticed that by the end they'd stopped doing as much uh besides uh gate camping tama i mean they could still form a pretty good fleet of caps and slave battleships but they stopped doing as much of that by the end. Mm. Yeah. Well, that's too bad. They used to weigh in as kind of a counter to uh, snuff and low set groups. But those players, you know, that want to stick with EVE Online aren't going anywhere. They're going to join other groups and make them stronger or start their own even better. Okay. Right. And you, and you can have a, a, some people leaving the game for a bit because they, they kind of feel loyalty to an alliance right or a corporation and then you know they don't want to leave but there's, there's not very much happening in the group so it, it can be a it can be a good thing for the players to kind of close one of these kind of zombies of a of an alliance down yeah all right guys thanks very much for uh listening in today sorry we had a technical problem where we uh, broke this stream in half but thank you for coming back appreciate that there is this one last thing I want to do, and we'll just uh, go over it real quick. And that is the end of the year review at Talking In Stations. I originally wanted to do a little bit of a walk back on some of the stuff that was happening, but uh, I'm out of time. So I just want to throw back real quick to the beginning of 2020. 
Right. There was no COVID in the United States that we knew about. It was something interesting happening in uh, Wuhan. In fact, somebody that I know lives in Wuhan and was telling me, he's an Eve player. He was saying, hey, I'm in Wuhan. And uh, I was like, no way, what's going on there? And this is before Wuhan even shut down, right? So it was just a mysterious thing that was happening. Um, but that put that put the COVID virus on my radar early on. And that's why we had a lot of early shows when when people needed them about what COVID was and what to look for and how to protect yourself and how seriously to take it. So we did a lot of that stuff and we called those shows because they were about real life. Uh, we called those uh, quarantining in stations or quarantine in stations. And it was just a way of having a discussion around real life stuff that was bigger than all of us. But as far as EVE Online, the year started out in a different way. We were looking at uh, one of our episodes was called Nobody Expects the Test Inquisition. And what that was, was test joining in on the what we call the dead war, war against the dead coalition. Now, the dead coalition used to be Guardians of the Galaxies, right? Guardians of the Galaxies was famous for, well, many things, but one is holding Decline up in the north, but also making a deal with the Imperium in order to survive, which was not appreciated by some of Dead Coalition's allies. So NC Dot and <clears throat> Horde especially came back to destroy Dead Coalition. And in the process, Test joined into that fight because Vili declared he did not want Sort Dragon to be on CSM again. So he was going to destroy Sort Dragon's alliance and voter base to knock him out of the CSM. And what's interesting, if you look back on it, it worked. Uh, yeah. And that was when I started thinking that some bit, that if there was going to be a big war happening soon, it would be Test and Panfam against uh, the Imperium rather than Imperial Legacy against the Imperium. Yeah. So I think I might have been right. Yeah, well, the the interesting thing was it, it seems now that was a bit of a dress rehearsal for what would come next, right? Um, I think that was a vengeance war, for sure. And I think it was convenient for Vili because he didn't want Sword Dragon to be on CSM. He felt, I think he was counterproductive. Uh, that that was an easy excuse to get test to work with their enemy horde and their enemy NC dot and their enemy, a special enemy pandemic Legion to fight, you know, together to kind of get them used to that idea. I thought that was very really interesting and, and everybody could agree on the target. So the problem is that war was over fast because once fraternity jumped into that war, it was over. Like it crushed, because the reason is Dead Coalition was able to survive for many years, uh, whatever sort Dragon built, because he's from Australian time zone. He's English, but in Australia. He had the leadership ability to put together groups that were in the Pacific, which allowed him to uh, control a certain time zone, the Australian time zone, really well. And so anything that you could do to him in the US time zone or the EU time zone, he could survive in the Australian time zone. But once Fraternity weighed in on that war, he lost that time zone control and all the structures came down after that. So Fraternity really 
really made the difference in the dead war. Um, but it was interesting to see Vili in there. So that's what was going on early on 2020. And we know six months later, uh, Vili decides to dissolve the NIP with Imperium. And at that point, you knew the war was on. Okay, and a few other things that we did at Talking in Stations is we had an interview with Inner Hell, uh, the feared wormhole group that uh, quit and then came back to EVE and has since quit yet again. And that might be the last time they quit, who knows? But uh, Inner Hell, for a long time, in many forms, dominated wormhole space. Uh, I think it's one of the most interesting and lethal groups in EVE Online. Uh, so we had Kara um, Cobre on. Uh, she's a streamer, but um, she is, I don't know what the relationship is, but she's with the leader in real life. And we had Mortis Divalon. Uh, he's an FC for Inner Hell. And it, we had a translator because they were speaking uh, Russian. Uh, and so that was kind of yeah, cool. Mr. Edmonton, yeah, Edmonton, the translator, is the leader of the Russian part of Pandemic Horde, and he's one of the main FCs of the Europe that time zone uh, in for Pappy right now. He's yeah. He also, when there's no strategic objective going on around, it is constantly pinging Comrade fleets. Oh, okay. Yeah, he was our translator. We actually had two translators. He was one of them. I haven't uh, talked to him since then. Going to talkinginstations.com. You can catch all these interviews on our website, right? Uh, that's not the... That's the back door. I want the front door. Please. That's it. All right, so you can do a search, and you can just put in inner hell, and that'll bring up the uh, the list of the shows that inner hell are in see so encounter with inner hell is the interview with them and we talked to them and really i mean their bottom line was we just want to kill people <laughs> it's like hey resist us if you can we're just going to kill you like we're out to kill you and we're out to fight anybody who's willing to try to survive us uh so they are like the terminator um so that was going on too we did that um and then we also looked at smaller groups that we were, you know, wanting to get to know. So we had a show called A Look Into the Kaldari Militia, and it was with Templis Kalsif, who is well-known now as Alliance Tournament winners. And we interviewed the, their leader again uh, recently, but that was an interview with him uh, that uh, was way back before they were Alliance Tournament winners. We also had uh, space hobos on, so we were talking about low sec, and uh, that was that was interesting stuff. So we were always looking for the smaller themes that are going on in Eve Online, and I don't I don't think they're small themes. They're just they're just not these massive amounts of null sec groups that are going on. These are like the low sec guys yes. and stuff. Space hobos has since disbanded, but most of them formed a new alliance, uh, which uh, first. Uh, Right, living in the same area, then was allied with Volta, living in Fade for a while, and is now a part of Fire Coalition called Sedition. Sedition, okay, cool. Yeah, so this is that episode uh, for them. <laughs> uh, yeah, I did the artwork for this. <clears throat> and, uh, and then later, I, I like this one too. We did one on markets, right? We talked to this guy, Smog890. And Avio Yankin, right? 
these are the two guys that were seeding marketplaces. They were trying to create new marketplaces in Eve, not just Jita or Amar or even Dodixie. And I thought that was really cool. So uh, one was actually building something in NullSec. I believe it was Branch or up there somewhere or Venal. And the other guy was building up some stuff. I think we also had um, Eden Trade on. Uh, I don't think it was this episode, but it was a different one. Uh, it's a Smog 890. Oh, is that him? Okay, it was him then. I, I thought so. I didn't see him here. So let me see. Avio. What was it? Uh, markets. Avio Yakin, who had been running stuff up in uh, Venal. That's it. Yeah. There it is. Marketplaces and ecosystems. So he's trying to build an ecosystem, which I thought was cool. Yeah, listen. Yeah, we, one well, hold on one thing. One we, we heavily, heavily, uh, every episode of a podcast that we put out, we put a lot of metadata in there, like every name of a person that's in there and every theme. And so that means that if you go to talkingstations.com and you're specific about your search, chances are you will find what you're looking for and you're able to listen to that episode. We have five years of episodes so putting them chronologically doesn't really make sense since it's now more of a library of uh, groups and people. So again, we've done that over the years and it's really paying off for us now because this is kind of a research library. And thank you for noticing that. What were you going to say? Later on, uh, Avio's attempt uh, ended up in some sort of awkwardness because it used a Freeport Citadel and... Panfem leadership wasn't keen on there being a Freeport Citadel when the Imperium was moving caps into and out of Venal for their deployment. So, but I think it, uh, aside from that struggle, it, it went fairly. It's been going, still been going fairly well for something in NPC null in really remote areas. Yeah. Right. So anyway, so that was January and February. I think I can run down. Actually, we have a I have a, a different way of looking at this, which is a lot easier for me if I can find it. I've opened so many windows now. Here, I think this is it. Yeah, so I look at st stuff through spreadsheet view, which makes it a little easier, if you know what I mean. Uh, so some of the other shows that we had, uh, we did 100 shows, but some of these are actually Pando. I think like 12 are, so it's not just us. But we, we've done a lot in 2020. Um, I'm happy to say, and I'm proud of the crew, We've cranked out a lot of Eve news. We've cranked out a lot of interviews that were news making. I think we've covered some pivotal moments and uh, gotten into the, gotten into places that normal players can't get into to break open some of that knowledge for you guys. But uh, yeah, we talked to Red versus Blue. Uh, Pen is out here, uh, so we talked to them early on in that was February. Uh, we. Ended up talking with Electus Matari and the Hog Hitmen and uh, when all that business was going down. And then we have, of course, CCP Rise coming on, talking about uh, with wormholes for, you know, from wormholes with love. And yeah, so there's some good stuff in here. Uh, and it goes on and on. Squid's way in. You know, I kind of miss our low sec series, right? Like we should get more low sec uh, shows going because we used to have a low sec show every week. Or a, yeah, know. I really liked that. Be happy to see that come back. Yeah, maybe we'll put that back together. 
get the bang, get the gang back together. Oh, here's a great interview where we had Braxis, the leader of Hard Knocks. That's a tough interview to get. Uh, so, but he came on and we had an impromptu interview with him. And um, I think by March, you know, things were starting to change, but uh, we're already talking about, um, you know, what the post blackout era looked like in. Um, in Imperium, because the, it was before the war, but it was after blackout. And so we were talking about some of that kind of stuff. But yeah, anyway, so that's what was going on in January. If you think back, there's some interesting stuff going on. It's amazing how far Eve has come. So tomorrow and the next day, we'll review a few more Talking in Stations shows of the past year, uh, just to remind you of how much ground is covered and how interesting it was back then compared to now and how it's all inter intermingled and how it all evolved. Okay, that's it for me. You guys got anything else? No, it's been great. Hey, Mr. Ray, thanks for coming on. Always appreciate you hanging out with me. And Gregorin, your research is always appreciated. A lot of news has surfaced by that man, Gregorin, so pay him some respect. Uh, we admire him very much here at TIS. Along with everybody else, if you didn't watch last Sunday's show, it was a lot of fun, and we talked about the most influential uh I had about halfway through, but at least took over. And uh, a lot of the guys that are our analysts and streamers that you know um, gave us their opinion on some of the most influential moments, some of the most influential groups and people in EVE Online. Now, we extend that to you guys if you want to tell us who you think is most influential in 2020. And I'm going to give you a link for that now. So you can participate in nominating. And so what we'll do on the 31st, on New Year's is we'll actually announce who that is. There you go. There's a form. If you want to fill it out, you're welcome to. You don't have to. And then from uh, the people that we nominated at TIS, we're going to pick the winners. We'll uh, have that decision made. And then on, on the 31st, we will dedicate the show to actually either interviewing them or talking about them. Uh, those are the winners and the moments. Uh, that are the biggest in 2020 EVE Online. So look for that. And we want names from everywhere, not just big names, but we want like if somebody did something interesting in, and it's not been surfaced yet, we want those names too. So nominate whoever you think uh, made an influence, made an impact, okay? All right, everybody, thanks very much for hanging out with us today. I want to remind you, we made partners. So I don't know what that means exactly, but subscribe to this channel, use your... Oh, what do you call it? Um, Prime? Yeah, Prime subscription. Prime subscription to this channel, if you don't mind. We're, we're collecting those now. I guess we're going to do that. And, um, and if you want to really help us out, you can go to uh, patreon.com slash Matterall. That supports me and my efforts. And uh, also, we'll look for other ways. Uh, but for now, it's uh, YouTube or it's... Uh, patreon and now this twitch so thanks guys very much keep that in mind and we will see you next time tomorrow on talking in stations